The best insight, instant feedback, accountability. The all-new Talk Radio Freedom 106.5. Freedom 106.5 FM, as promised, we have uh, Ryan Beatrice all the way out there in Dubai. So let's uh, check him out. Ryan? Davey, good evening to, good afternoon, I should rather say. Yeah, I'm mixing is, up my time zones. Good afternoon to you and to all of your listeners. Yeah, yeah, this is Basie, not Davey. Davey's not in today, right? Davey took the day off. I'm sorry about that, right. Basie. No problem, no problem, man. All right, so what's going on there in terms of climate change? Talk to us. A lot happening, you know. It was a busy, busy, busy uh, day one. A lot was accomplished on our end, uh, but a lot was also accomplished at the conference for the first time, base for the first time history you know uh, just to break it down for you when you come to these conferences sometimes you can spend two weeks here and they accomplish nothing uh, and i'm not on the, <laughs> i'm not joking with you uh you know i'm not trying to over exaggerate mm -hmm. sometimes you can come and they accomplish nothing but in the space of just one day uh, at the united nations climate change conference they came to a deal with regards to loss and damage funding uh, and you know just to put it into perspective base it's important that i you know for people who don't understand uh, this is a fight that small island nations like the one you and I live in, in Trinidad and Tobago, uh, have been fighting for 30 years. Uh, and finally, there has been a breakthrough. Uh, the world has agreed that uh, loss and damage that is being uh, that are being incurred by small island states doing no part to their own fault because they don't release uh, carbon dioxide into the air because they don't produce things like oil and gas or use coal, uh, that they will now uh, have a fund to help them stave off the challenges uh, that climate change uh, possesses. All right, definitely. So who are some of the uh, speakers? Were there speakers there? Who are some of the people that, that spoke? I like that question. That's a good question because I think today uh, we heard from tomorrow. I should rather start by saying that we'll hear from the world leaders, and you know you look forward to hearing from people like Prime Minister Mia Motley from Barbados. Uh, you, you look forward to hearing from Prime Minister Narendra Modi from India, who has doubled down. His 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 energy minister has doubled down and said. India is not giving up coal, and of course, coal is one of the most toxic uh, fossil fuels that there actually is. Uh, so you'll hear from some interesting world leaders. Today, however, we heard from the United Nations General Secretary. We heard from the COP28 uh, president, uh, Mr. Sultan Al-Jaber. We also heard from Simon Steele, who is Grenadian, uh, who is a Caribbean man just like us. Uh, Simon Steele is the UNFCCC Executive Secretary, and he himself, before uh, you know the deal was struck, he himself doubled down his efforts, saying we have to operationalize the loss and damage fund, we have to get it going, we cannot have small island states suffering the damage that they didn't even cause on their own. And by the end of the day, he had his wish, and the loss and damage fund was operationalized. Tomorrow, though, will be a really key uh, moment in this conference to hear from world leaders. Uh, it's no secret that the global stock take is taking place at this COP, and it's also no secret that the world is far behind, lagging far behind where it should be in terms of its climate targets and its climate, and its climate goals. So it's, it's going to be very interesting, uh, base uh, that question that you asked, who are some of the key speakers? Because at, at the end of the day, it would be very interesting to hear what the likes of India has to say, what the likes of England has to say. England wants to preach. Rishi Sunak, the Prime Minister of England, uh, he has been preaching about 
uh, climate change and staving off the effects of climate change, but he has been signing gas fields contracts uh, and licenses, over a hundred of them since he has got into office. So it's sort of contradictory. So yes, tomorrow, very interesting to hear what some world leaders have to say. All right, Ryan. And of course, Trinidad and Tobago, you know, a lot of people here um, in, in, in the whole of, of 1.3 million may not be so serious about climate change. I may wonder, you know, Trinidad, we tend to hop on late on, on things. But just to explain to them, why is it important to be talking about, you know, climate change and what part does Trinidad have to play in all of this? Yeah, not just Trinidad and Tobago. I know that we like to be hard on ourselves and mm. say that, you know, maybe we're not too serious about climate change and other uh, international affairs. This is a global issue. This is a, a problem across the world. You don't get too many people interested in climate change, the effects of climate change, although this is happening before our very eyes. I mean, we, Satish and I were talking this morning, and you and I live in the same country. There's basically been no uh, rainy season this year. You know, the dry season just went all the way into the rainy season. That's not something that we're accustomed to. We're accustomed to two seasons. By the time June comes in, we're accustomed to rainy season. So I think it's important, you know, I know that people often say that, you know, uh, and Caribbean people aren't really interested in climate change. And I get that. It's a boring topic. It's not something that really interests a lot of people, even outside of the Caribbean. But I think the more that we talk about it and you having me on the program, you dedicating 10 minutes, uh, you know, out of your busy schedule, your very popular program to have someone like me talk about climate change will only increase the awareness and education. And I think things like this really help. Okay, Ryan. Well, thank you very much. Our time is up there. Enjoy your stay out there in Dubai. I hope you get to do some some sightseeing and it's all not all work, you know? I hope so too, Base. Thanks a lot for having me. All right. Thank you very much. Ryan Beachu out there. Of course, that's our guy. You will see him on a CNC3 News. But right now, he's out there in Dubai. And we're discussing, of course, the World Climate Change Summit that's happening, right? We take another break and we come back with more. We have another guest coming up. <laughs> The best insight, instant feedback, accountability. The all-new Talk Radio, Freedom 106.5. Another interview right here on Freedom 106.5 FM. We welcome to the floor right now, Mr. or should I say Dr. Dr. Senator, Senator Dr. Paul G. Richard. So many accolades. Good afternoon to you, sir. Good afternoon, Adrian. Good afternoon to your listeners also. All right. And nice, your viewers. nice to have you. Welcome to Freedom 106.5. So we're talking... It's great to be here. Yes. And we're talking, of course, the Disability Legislation Project. I know I've seen you several times in the um, in the parliament there being advocating for the rights of others. And disability has always been one of your passions, I should say. So tell us about this, uh, yeah. this project. Yes, it has. Well, I'm, I'm really happy to be here to be able to invite your audience, persons to have disabilities and the general public to a, a public consultation mm -hmm. we're having on Saturday, this Saturday, 2 to 5 p.m. at Hillview College. Okay. And the focus, it comes under the umbrella of the Law Association's Human Rights Committee. They uh, initiated a working group, mm -hmm. which is charged with the responsibility of, one, commenting on a, a draft disability bill that the Ministry of Social Development and Family Services has created to protect the rights of persons with disability, and also to create a reference bill that is best practiced around the world. Some of your audience members may know that in the just under 8 billion people around the globe, 1.3 to 4 billion of, of those persons have a disability. Mm. And in Trinidad and the Caribbean and Latin America alone, there are 85 million persons with disabilities. And part of the UN Convention on the Rights of Persons with Disabilities that Trinidad and Tobago signed on to and ratified means that TNT has to pass laws specific to protecting the rights of persons with disabilities, as has been done in Guyana, Jamaica, 
the Cayman Islands, Bahamas, and several other CARICOM territories. So part of this process is getting the views of persons with disabilities on how they experience life, the challenges they face, mm -hmm. and to get a sense of what they want in that uh, disability legislation that is hopefully will become law to protect their rights in terms of education, healthcare, access to technology, access to buildings that we take for granted as able-bodied people sometimes, uh, uh, participation in political and social life in Trinidad sports and culture mm -hmm. without hindrance. So equal participation in all aspects of life. In the but what, what, what really took us so long? Because you mentioned some other nations, some other of our neighboring islands, they've gone forward. But what has took Trinidad and Tobago? I mean, we're supposed to be the leader in the Caribbean. What has taken us so long to get this legislation and to really pay respect for a lack of better words to our disabled people? Well, we every country has a different legal framework and Trinidad and Tobago went the way of an Equal Opportunities Commission and Tribunal mm. which was supposed to protect the rights in several different areas not only in terms of disability but it hasn't worked as effectively as having disability specific law so this is an evolution of that in terms of having what is required by the United Nations Conventions of the Right of Persons with Disabilities and also protecting specifically for disability rights in the country so it's a step up and it's actually considered best practice around the world. The U.S. has several laws that protect the rights of persons with disability and special needs. The U.K., and as I said, across the Caribbean, some parts of Latin and South America, and certainly around, across Europe. So it's a very, very important issue. And even though you, you may not have been born with a disability, if we live long enough, each of us is going to get some kind of disability. Right. Our sight may be diminished, our hearing may be diminished. God forbid we get into an accident. We, have, we lose a limb, we have mobility issues, mm. and we want our rights and our access to healthcare, to education, to access to buildings and technology, and just life in Trinidad in general, to be protected, to be given the support and accommodation, to be able to participate equally. Right. I actually have two of our callers. I hope they're listening. They're there. I know they have disabilities and they always call. Now, you and I were well-traveled. I mean, we've been to New York. You're on the bus in New York, right? Um, they would stop. You know, everybody has to be patient and stop. You know, the bus has to go down, let up somebody with their disability. Then they put them in the chair and everybody's patiently waiting and respectfully doing that. You see blind people walking with their senile dogs. Sometimes I myself wonder how disabled people make out in Trinidad. Even sometimes I walk, I walk to work to and from work. I park my car, I walk. I pass right by the Blind Welfare Association. I would see the folks with, you know, where they walk and stick the blind people. And the pavements alone or pavements are not even, you know, adequate for people with disabilities. Sometimes they don't. I've seen people pushing people on a wheelchair. You have to ram up the thing, the wheelchair. You know, simple things like these, you know. It's, what, what are some of the things in the, this legislation that will make things easier for peace? Well, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. In, in, in terms of the world, the statistics are that because of the, the lack of adequate health care, specific to their disability, persons with disabilities are likely to die 20 years earlier. Mm -hmm. They are 15 times less able to get transportation needs satisfied. They are looked over for jobs, discriminated against for jobs, which they are equally qualified and experienced over fully able, uh, non-disabled uh, counterparts. Right. So there's a lot of discrimination. So in terms of the education aspect, there'll be accommodation for children with special needs and children with learning disabilities. Right. So that they haven't, they, they, they're brought up to scratch. If you look at very often, the, the, the underperforming students are undiagnosed disabilities. Some of them have something like dyslexia undiagnosed and unremediated, that that person can perform well. It has no bearing on their intellect, but they just have a disability. If you didn't have one, you pay a spectacle service. Could you see? Could you function in a studio? Right. And that's just a simple example of the of the rights that need to be protected with persons with disabilities. Healthcare, mm -hmm. education, transport, 
uh, employment, uh, access to technology, uh, the, the, the um, sign language persons on television that should be mandatory, and several other areas that the, the disability legislation will protect and provide support for persons with disabilities. So we're having this consultation because it's important also. Part of the convention states that the, the law must be crafted with the input of the, person, the disability community. So you shouldn't just craft a law. Mm. You should include the community to tell their experiences and say what they want in this law. So we had one last Saturday. We have it in South. We have it in one this Saturday, mm -hmm. uh, the 2nd of December, mm -hmm. 2 to 5 p.m. here at New College, and everyone is invited. You don't have to have a disability or a family member with a disability to participate. You're all invited to come. It's free. Nice, my beautiful. What about, now you mentioned, so you may not be born with a disability. You may have a disability. What about the people who may have a disability, get a disability while while working, while in the workplace? And uh, what, what covers them from not being fired? Somebody's well, you can't work any anymore. You're not wheelchair. You're disabled. You still might be able to do your job adequately. But just because you have a disability, there may be some sort of a discrimination against you. What could protect people against something like that? Well, there will be specific clauses. There's, there are proposed to be specific clauses. One, mm -hmm. to, be to, to prevent you from being discriminated, from getting a job in the, in the first place. But also further to that, to prevent you from being ousted from your job unfairly if you develop a disability on the job. Right. So, and that's why the law, the law specific to persons with disabilities is so important. Because other than that, you don't have any legal recourse to take the employer to court to get your rights upheld. Right now it's up, well, you may go to the Equal Opportunities Tribunal, but you may not meet the benchmark as required by that law. So I think that's why we know this law has worked around the world. It's an evolution, mm -hmm. and the, the proposal is to get it drafted, debated, and passed in Trinidad and Tobago because, as, as I said before, we are behind the Cape in the Caribbean. All right, okay. So we're getting this drafted. It's going to go to Parliament. What what do we, we need? Is it going to be a, a majority? Do we need both sides to, to vote on it? How, how well, do we go? Well, there, there, there are different contentions in that because it also impacts uh, property owners, mm -hmm. both All right. our public okay. sector and private sector, because part of the law mandates that over a particular period of time after the law is passed, mm -hmm property owners will have to make the adjustments to their property to accommodate persons with disabilities. The pavement slant, slant that you just discussed, yeah. the, the wheelchair access to buildings, the wheelchair access to restroom facilities. Yeah. So that will be part of the law. And because it impinges on property, and property is a, a fundamental right to own property and enjoy your property, it may need a requested majority. I'm not there yet in terms of my thinking, but that is the contention from some legal minds. All right, definitely. All right, so once again, this is um, at Hillview on this Saturday. What time? This coming Saturday, mm -hmm. 2 to 5 p.m. Just drive up Eldorado Road, Hillview City Shop. That's my alma mater, by the way. Okay. So I'm happy that they're accommodating us. Thanks to the acting principal, Sharon Ramdeen, and the, the staff there for accommodating us. And we'd like to thank also last Saturday, we were at Naprima Girls, and they accommodated us. So thanks to them. But this Saturday, we're at uh, Hillview College, and we plan to go to Tobago. So no, yeah, no good accent. What about Tobago? Yeah, Tobago. We are in talks with the Tobago House of Assembly to finalize the date for Tobago. We'll right. focus on this Saturday. Beautiful, man. So Paul G. Richards with the Disability Legislation Project. And remember, you don't have to be disabled. And some people might think, well, I'm not disabled. Why are you interested in this for? Trust me, it could happen to anyone, right? And at some point in your life, if you live long enough, you develop a disability mm -hmm. and you'd want your rights protected. Yeah, beautiful. All right. So thank you, Paul. Keep fighting the good thank Thanks for that, Lisa. I really appreciate it. It's you and your team. All right. Thank you, man. All right. So that was right. Paul Richards out there. I just uh, telling you about the disability legislation project that will be happening consultation at Hillview. See things are happening. So my partner from St. James, a mother blind partner who always on the WhatsApp. 
You know what I mean? This is something. This is something y'all should look forward to. Hillview, this coming Saturday. All right? Check it out. All right, uh, 18 minutes away from 4 o'clock. Uh, Carrie Vichy will be coming in at 4. I'm holding until then. Base is here. We're about to get into another topic of uh, gender equality. Right? Remember, all month of uh, November, November, we call it Movember, where we were dealing with topics pertaining to men. So this is our final day, final series. Of course, at 5 o'clock, don't miss the grand finale of our Movember series as well with a panel discussion. Men talk, join host Jason Williams, and he will have some guests as well. All right, so in front of me here, I have Amilka Peter Sanatan. Hey, he is a writer, artist, and activist. His work focuses on men and masculinities, gender justice, literally, and performing arts, right? Youth and student development and human geography in the Caribbean and America's region, right? He holds a bachelor's in psychology and also um, in gender studies from the University of the West Indies. He's currently pursuing a PhD student in uh, cultural studies at the same institution, right? And we also have Richie Bansaraj, right, <laughs> is a highly motivated, passionate, and accomplished professional with expertise in social development, youth work, and gender and development. Right, he possesses approximately 10 years' experience within the government sector, where he has a strong track record of developing, executing, and monitoring and evaluating projects, programs, and activities. Right, so we welcome Richie and you welcome Amilka. Good day, guys. I'm upon these mics. Yeah, how are you going? Good, good, good. Nice, nice, beautiful. All right, so the topic today is gender equality. Now, when usually talking gender equality, I usually think, you know, well, women would want, you know, well, think equal to men. But we are men talking about gender equality. So how do you all fit in? Where do you all fit in with the gender equality? All right, if you don't mind, I'll just take the first ball here, but it's a run in between the wickets. That's how we're looking to play it out today. Mm -hmm. The reality is men should be very invested in gender equality. In fact, gender equality, especially what women and girls struggle for, serves to benefit men in profound ways. Mm -hmm. So when we think about improving and enhancing men's capacity for care, yeah. we okay. could look at developing an opportunity for people where they could engage in family life on more equal terms. That is very important. Mm -hmm. So when we have family life on more equal terms with men, yeah. what we end up seeing is that we have paternity leave. Mm -hmm. We can't have a gender equal society where men don't have equal opportunities to be caring fathers. Right, right. right. And I'm not trying to say that we must get rid of to enhance and protect maternity leave mm. to make sure any pregnant woman does not receive any form of discrimination and her rights as a laborer is protected. But mm. men could play a bigger role in the care work of the household if we respect and promote paternity leave. I almost yeah. mixed it up. But I just want to big up the idea mm -hmm. that we also need to introduce men to the different stages of life that they could have right. as fathers, as sons, as cousins, as caregivers of people who are not their biological children. Mm -hmm. Caring is a social function. So when we talk about men and gender equality, it really transforming the idea of what man it is and what kind of society, the laws, the public spaces that we have to mm -hmm. support those men. All right, all right. Beautiful. What about you, Arishi? Yeah, so I believe that Amilka touched on it as well. Men in care work, men in education. We need to target all of the elements that um, involve young men at the starting stages so that they will be, be developing all of these, uh, how to say, characteristics as they get older. Mm. So we need to give them the tools from a young age, from education level, straight till ad early adulthood, into adulthood, so that they will be able to 
incorporate these uh, life experiences, these learned experiences about gender equality and the benefits of gender equality for um, men and women in Trinidad and Tobago. So that's why I would I would just add on the, the care and education because my focus is on youth and I believe that we need to give the youth mm -hmm. the capacity with the tools that they need to integrate um, actual equality and equity between men, women, boys and girls in Trinidad and Tobago. All right, definitely. So, paternity leave for men. Um, now, you know how Trinidad does have some, some men right now in terms of, you know, well, fatherhood and stuff, they believe men, men believe they have to be out there. So, so, so put out that men have to be out there in the field and have to be working and pumping and bringing anything and mm -hmm. making any money. So, some men might feel that paternity leave thing, but that is not manly, you know. I stay home for, you know, let, let me go out there and let, 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 let the woman stay home with the child, you know. But you say it in a different way, important way, in terms of bringing family. So, ex explain us how we could put this over to men who think in that kind of way. Certainly, we have to be real with men when we tell them the standards of machismo in the society, the standards of manhood and boyhood in the society are not giving them the fruits that they really think that they're eating from. It's a bitter fruit. What is that bitter fruit when we look at men who are really suffering under a standard? Is that they have pressures to be an economic provider. Look at the world around us. Geopolitical conflicts, wars, economic insecurity. Countries that are grappling with a COVID-19 economy and coming out of that. And we are trying to tell men to be this absolute provider or to always have economic stability. That is not the reality of our history. It's not even the reality of our time. When we tell men that they must care for themselves, the same way they want to care for others and their families, that is not telling you less of a man. It's telling you that you're making a contribution that empowers human beings to explore the full human potential as you explore yours. That is the important work. So when we engage with men, we're trying to tell them that we know that you have harms that you experience in your life. And rather than directing your harms at other people, especially women and girls, to be the source of your problems, that you could think about what does an economy and society look like when we have healthy men, positive men, men who could care for others, men who could care about themselves, when we could construct laws that allows us to have an enabling environment to explore our full human potential, not just as fathers, as men without children, those mm -hmm. are manly men too. Men with children, they are manly. And they have people who just sit back and observe time, but still make a contribution in all kind of ways that we could be social reproducers and helpful ways and a healthy ways as yeah. well. Now, you know, we live in a time where, of course, there, there's absence of men and fathers in the home. Eh? You're seeing that every single day, the way boys are sometimes, and sometimes women too may cause that. I mean, relationships may go astray. Sometimes a woman might be spiteful. One, one might want a, a man to see him, um, you know, his child and being the child's life and, and all that kind of thing. Um, I, I don't know if you're, you're familiar with this, with the Single Fathers Association, Mr. Fields. Yeah, man, we're reading newspapers yeah, and yeah, we yeah. know him. He's yeah, a man, yeah, man. He's a, he's a great man. Advocate. Some good points doing, some, doing, doing, well, some, yes. doing some works there in terms of getting it. But how can we get men, I mean, back in the in the homes and things? Where do you all stand with Like, Because I sometimes see men and they, they sometimes get in women pregnant, they leave and all. But sometimes it's really not a man's fault. But how can we get men back in the homes and let know, listen, this thing had to start for me, too, because sometimes too many women out there, there's nothing wrong with the independent women, eh? 
But do you think women are at fault with that too with this kind of independent woman thinking and I don't need a man <laughs> and this and that and that kind of trailer? So I think that is a cultural change that we need to administer from the young ages of mm-hmm. young when we young men developing from the school age, from the even before that primary school, the parents need to be able to teach these young men how to involve women and involve equality into their lives, into everyday life. Because men and women are a team when they're in relationships. So they have to accomplish certain goals. So I believe that targeting them from a younger age is mm-hmm. the is the way to move forward with it. Yeah. Well, what about a nice like big brother? I mean when I was coming up I had mentorship men, mentorship program mm-hmm. it had Cub Scouts, it had uh, you know cadets and that kind of now these things might be a little too expensive for certain you know societies to get into but some kind of mentorship program where men are out there mentoring our young boys you know yeah yes. I, 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 I from primary to, school you know I talk to what about you're saying because we want women to be independent from abuse we mm. want women mm. to be independent so they can make choices on their lives mm. but we also know that we interconnected mm. we want men to be independent of our standard that makes them harm themselves or feel that they're not meeting the standard of masculinity all the time we want them to be independent of that but we want to realize how we interconnected to women and girls as well so for example issues of period poverty or menstrual health and hygiene is much an issue for women as it is for fathers of daughters as it is for citizens thinking about the way people move about the society likewise when we have men and the experiences in terms of the risks that they have in terms of the threat of violence when we look at crime men as perpetrators but also men as victims of homicides mm-hmm. that is an issue so this is something the gender equality game is for all of us to be involved where all our issues as citizens men women boys and girls matter and that's why we try to be an intervention for men it's not about how we were left out but what ways that we could contribute to the dialogue but also the changes that are coming in the society all right okay now let's get our lady involved there she's joined us miss dawn petgrave a jamaican psychologist dawn is a member of the jamaican psychological society she holds a master's degree in christian counseling psychology and degrees in education and theology right dawn is a trained teacher and has been an educator for over 15 years and a beauty mogul for more than two decades but she's currently pursuing studies in forensic psychology and of course dawn petgrave we say good afternoon and welcome dawn to the conversation good good afternoon and thank you thank you for the invite all right nice freedom 106.5 here of course we have our two gentlemen i don't know if you're familiar with them amilka and rishi say hi guys yeah, what's greetings, up? What's greetings. up? Greetings. Great to meet you. All right, so we're talking gender equality. We were talking about it in terms of, you know, a male man's perspective. But where do you as a woman see gender equality, the discussion going with gender equality? Boy, this is this is such a sticky subject, you know. Mm. <laughs> but um, for me, gender equality is just ensuring that regardless of your gender, that everyone is being treated equally. Um, I know we have, um, you know, a lot of situations where, especially in my field, men are just automatically pay where way higher than I am. And, you know, that has been a concern. Um, so I'm glad that we're having these conversations because on the other end, there are opportunities that I have as a female that men have not gotten. You know, I am excited that we now have an international men's day so that we are celebrating our men more so um really really grateful for the 
conversation today and can't wait to hear what my brothers have to say also. Well, I must say that this year, International Men's Day, there was something about it that felt a little bit, uh, you know, a little bit more. You got a little bit more, um, more, more attention this year than previous year because sometimes it had, hey, yesterday was International Men's Day. I didn't know that. You know, something about, something about, about this. You know, the guys were talking, Don, about uh, paternity leave, with men getting the paternity leave. What do you think about that? When women, when we think about maternity or that word paternity leave, we usually think about women with the maternity. But what do you think about men actually getting that opportunity to stay home and bond with even mother and child? What do you think about that? Absolutely, absolutely. I think this is something that should become mandated for our men. Now, if you recognize, um, well, I'm sure you know this. I work in forensics also, and most of the male that I have to work with, the father is missing from their lives. Or even if there is a father, they don't have that kind of bonding with the father as the mother have with them. And so I think if we are going to have better families, then most definitely men should be given paternity leave also. Mm -hmm. One one thing I, I tend to say, guys, I don't know if you all may agree with me in terms of schools. I don't know if it's like this in Jamaica, but in Trinidad, I find we have way too many females in our schools, female teachers, right? Um, when I was coming up, they were, they were male. When I say male teachers, I mean male men who were six feet tall and you, you could have respect, respect them, you know? Um, they, they just give you that look and you know to, 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 to keep quiet or whatever it is. You wouldn't mm -hmm. play the fool in school at all. But we have too many female teachers in school. Why do you think men are moving away from that role of teaching in the schools, if, well, if you notice that? Well, if I'm here, it's, it's, this is a complex social and economic transition that happens in society. So one of the things we always have to be cautious of is when we speak about when more women end up in the labor force, it's somehow less valuable or less interesting for men or there's tight a lot of issues. Just because we don't have men teaching in our classroom, it's very scary for society to say once a woman communicates knowledge to you, it's somehow a social disadvantage mm. to the men there. Men also, we need to train them to respect women's leadership and women's authority as educators in our classroom. Yeah, but we're talking, I'm, I'm talking equality. Yeah, no, I but, would say but there, there are 75% more female teachers in school than, than men in school. Like men are well, moving away from that teaching profession. Right, but totally. I, what I'm trying to say, I disagree with your premise and mm. the approach. It's our mm. opinion. So we are just giving yeah. my opinion here. Mm. So yes, teachers, we have more of that. Mm. Uh, principals, they are certain level in terms of the balance. And this is an ongoing conversation about how men stand in situation as a teaching labor force. Do we benefit more as a society where we have more men involved? Of course. And why is it that men have a flight from it? How did education become a masculine, sorry, a less of a masculine pursuit and seeing as something as feminine and if it's feminine it's less valuable and when we don't look at the education outcomes where men fall in the caribbean as many as one third of the young men who write cxeo levels could fail english a which is a compulsory subject we need to invest to ensure that young men even though there are alarming rates for girls as well to ensure that young men participate so they have equal footing in the economy at the end of the day the role of a teacher is a job not just a metaphor to bring stability to boys and girls or how we think about genders representing society 
getting more men in teaching service means we need to empower more men in education. Mm -hmm. And that is a drive we need to have mm -hmm. to try to reduce failure rates and to tell them the teaching service is not a job that is less valuable or doesn't matter. And then people could model roles. But part of engagement for gender equality is that the same way we have a woman who is a caller on this line with us, is that I can listen to her, respect her opinion as a professional in her own right. The same we want to get young men to understand women as professionals in their right as a teacher while we empower more men in teaching service so that they could bring their standpoints, their experiences, understand adolescence and that very transformative time for young people to communicate in the classroom. All right, folks, we'll be breaking for news in just about three minutes. Now, Rishi, I know you've been in the government, the public sector. Quickly, mm -hmm. if you could just tell us, what are some of the things that you see need to fix in terms of gender equality in the public sector? It mostly starts with the young men, as I keep re reiterating over and over over. It starts with the young men and then the young men will also transition their beliefs to the young women. It's how they treat the young women in their own space. So in secondary schools, even in the community, it's how the young men treat them. So in my experience, being on the field, on the ground, young men are, how to say, they are inspired by the wrong people sometimes. And these wrong people uh, teach um, bad ways how to deal with women and that abusing a woman is a manly thing to do when in reality it is not and uh, that's just one of the aspects but it starts at that at that youth age where they learn the characteristics from those who dominate and those who have this certain type of violent power the concept of power which is uh, accompanies violence and that is what they feel that they must do in order to become a man that is respected but in reality that isn't how you should be all right, definitely. And don't know, just, we just have about one minute for the news. In 30 seconds, can you tell us one or two things that you have experienced as a woman in your field being educated? Have you ever been discriminated against, um, you know, in terms of gender? Um, well, it has not been done directly to my face. I don't know if, you know, somebody might have felt a way. But um, I think being a woman, having emotional agility is very important and understanding the role of a male also. So I will never overstep my boundary when I'm in a room with with my male counterparts. I, you know, we know that um, society, men lead, provide, protect. And so if I'm in the room with a man, I'm going to always give them that level of respect. Um, one thing I have experienced that I can talk about is I was invited right. to... Just, well, just now, just now um, well, we, we do have to break for the news, I'm sorry, but we will do Not our a discussion. Not okay? a problem. Mm -hmm. The best insight, instant feedback, accountability, the all-new Talk Radio Freedom 106.5. Welcome back. It's Freedom 106.5 FM. This is the station where you get to speak your mind. You know, it's where the talk matters. And you know who it is. Caribbean and Company. I'm going all the way to 6 p.m. I'm holding on for Davey. This is The Overdrive. And I have two special persons with me here. And I think we have someone on Zoom. Yeah? I think we do. So, let us uh, welcome back uh, Amica. Almost. Amilka. Amilka. Oh, yeah. my gosh. I would have gotten it. And Richie. 
Richie, yeah. Richie, just Richie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, fellas, I know we are talking about uh, the y'all. You guys are activists, um, advocates mm-hmm. for gender and youth, youth development. Defense. Now, I know y'all were explaining something to Base when he was here, so y'all could continue with that discussion. And we'll take it from there. Yeah, man, for sure. Well, I would just quickly move it on to Richie. One of the things we try and say is that the socialization of young men very important. Socialization of our boys, where we need to model rules as they as as children to practice equality you can't expect people to be equal at 30 and 50 hmm. and 70 if they won't model in those rules if we have prejudice against girls growing up they're going to have men who are prejudicial as adults right. if we have boys who have to fight to have respect among other boys hmm. then you have violent men as adults so we talk about the youth child gender nexus of development hmm. the what we invest in for children is the outcomes we see for them as young people. Right. And if they practice gender equality from an early age, we will have improved outcomes in health, the way they perform in the economy and the type of jobs they go after, mm-hmm. the way that they operate in the workplace to have sexual harassment free zones right. for men and women. Right. And the type of families we could have in our community where they're robust, people care. And even if you break up with your partner, that don't mean you have to harm yourself or harm somebody. Mm-hmm. Horn is part of life. Tabanka is part of relationships. I want to tell you, horn is only if you take it on and Yeah, yeah but but, and you can take it on a more gender equal ah, way true, that is true. helpful to you but, and your partner but, but, and people around I you. mean, we all, we all are aware of something like that where it starts at home, it starts with the child as they are small because you can't expect to take a, a, a let's say, have a, a small plant. You could kind of mold it and mm-hmm. bend it, and, but you can't do that with a big tree, right? Mm-hmm. So, but why is that not happening? I, I believe that we need to have more safe spaces for men yeah. to express their mental health concerns, whatever situations that they are going through in life mm-hmm. at that time. Other, like nowadays, the younger generations of um, men, young men, youth, they are having gaming sessions, mm-hmm. video gaming sessions, where they talk about their mental health. They don't even play the game really, but they talk about mental health issues that they are facing throughout the day with each other. Mm-hmm. So I am an advocate that not video game groups alone, but just come together after school, after work even, and come together and discuss your mental health issues as men mm. and come to solutions. Right. But I, I want to jump to Miss Dawn Petgrave. Hi, good afternoon, Miss Dawn, and welcome. I'm Carrie V. Hi, good afternoon. I thought I lost you guys. No, you didn't. <laughs> that was just for a short while. We had the news and we had to jump it and you know, you know the dynamics, how it goes, right? But yeah, I wanna ask I wanna ask you as a psychologist, you know we have this issue with uh, men don't like to speak out about their emotions and how they're really feeling. But why is that so? Do you have any ideas, something that you'll be able to share with our listeners as to you know why men think that way? Well, and I don't think this has a thing to do with psychology. This all has to do with culture. Mm -hmm. If you stop and look back at how you raise your boy different from how you raise your girl, you know, and I use this analogy all the time is if a little girl fall and hurt herself, you quickly pick her up, clean her off, and you want to kiss her boo-boo. If a little boy, same age, same thing happened to him and he cries, you're going to hear stop the crying are you a girl Mm -hmm. and so we don't realize that from the home we are teaching our boys to be silent Mm -hmm. when it comes to expressing their emotions again we have this thing that 
men should be tough and macho mm -hmm. and if you share how you are how you are feeling then that makes you weak and those are all myths that i am appreciative of conversation like these because i hope that we can change those things mm -hmm. now where do men go to cry you know where is the safe space for recently um in another interview like this on one of our local stations we had a session that's called men can cry mm -hmm. and you should hear men really really opening up for the first time that yes there are times when they really feel like they want to cry but there is just no safe space for mm -hmm. them right. and so i would say that it starts with our parenting mm -hmm. ensure that we are treating our boys in such a way that number one they respect women i think one of the speaker spoke to that earlier mm -hmm. just like our female teachers our boys need to need to be taught that they need to respect um our female teachers you right. know um it's just like we have to teach our boys from from their growing up that they're not just our sons but they're going to be somebody's husband mm -hmm. they're going to be somebody's leader they're going to be a citizen of society and how are we raising them up are we raising them up to feel equal and also to be equal to their female counterpart yes all right thank you so much miss Petgrave. can i call you don I love that name. That that's is a nice quite name. fine. Dawn All right, fine. Dawn. Thanks the so much. The beginning update. <laughs> that's nice. That's nice. So it's all about promoting gender equality, more or less. Mm -hmm. Now, let's talk solutions because I'm someone who likes to hear solutions and see if we can put things in place to actually make things better. Yeah. So it starts from home, right? Yeah. It's Tell absolutely. Absolutely start from home. Yeah. Tell our parents who are listening right now who have younger children growing up all five six seven and sometimes it starts earlier right mm -hmm. tell the parents who are listening currently what can they do to promote gender equality yeah you stop seeing a okay, boy so and calling him a small man really stop judging children by adult standards uh -huh. why are what are you yes, called she's small woman when you see a girl no why you 30s and you still a smallie you see, the thing is, mm. I have no problem with the language and its culture and endearment. I love that. Mm. But when we're judging boys by the adult standards of manhood mm. and even promoting them to do risky behaviors, then we have to rethink that. So, parent, that's the first thing. Second, two, you have to do is listen to your boys. Listen. And empower your boys to learn to listen to girls as well. Mm. Because that experience is also an experience of childhood in the household. Mm hmm that is important but break down mm -hmm. that listen for me because you know it are two types of listening because when you say that i think in two types of listening one as in hey don't go there i'd not talk to you listen or you sit down and you try to empathize and understand yes so break break that up I for break me it a down bit. quickly it's, yeah. it's two kind of listening i really want us to do as a society and institutions where we work mm -hmm. and then listening to people where they are so when talking about listening directly to it because boys have a worldview they have desires mm -hmm. some want to be dancers and chefs some want to be cricketers and engineers you need to listen to them so they could explore their imagination mm -hmm. without judgment so they could say it safely and like they don't put them into a box or a category when they speak so we need to learn to listen to our boys but then you see institutional listening important mm. so many boys experience sexual abuse the main thing i hear about richie and i work on this yeah boys who have those abuses we have institutional silence we have family silence and then that individual or that boy learns to silence himself the first time my virgin told me i experienced a sexual abuse you know what i do laugh because i didn't know how you to respond know. and then i asked him if he liked it and I never want another boy not know how to respond to a boy who express his pain mm -hmm. in a classroom. Right. 
So that is the work. Listening is part of the solution. We need to develop a culture of listening and their parenting programs, NGOs, public sector agencies that do that kind of work. Mm -hmm. And they are also activists. They could call anytime right. that could give it that support. All right. So stick up in with, stick up in with that because we want to get that contact information. We want to know who we can talk to because I know a lot of us who are listening out there, all the parents who are listening, they are probably going through the same thing. And maybe a, a young boy is listening to us right now and he may have experienced that sexual abuse and he don't know what to do. So stick up in, in that. We're coming back to that. And Richie, let me hear your thoughts. How can we as parents or the listeners, how can we promote gender equality? So I just want to say it's not all, not all young persons, young men have parents. Some of them have to go by the guardians and some of them are led by the persons within the community. Mm -hmm. So therefore, those are the outliers that we need to reach. But how do mm -hmm. we reach these outliers? How do we reach these marginalized young men? We have to create programs throughout government and institutions, as uh, Milka was mentioning. Mm -hmm. We need to institutionalize it so that we know that they can be targeted specifically right. in terms of the things that they are missing out from having a parent. Mm -hmm. They just have a guardian and the guardian would not know our community leader would not know how to actually raise this child or even deal with it deal correct. with the situation yeah the the, the the how to say the more modern issues that these young men are facing they mm -hmm. may not know how to deal with this yeah the psychological issues they would not know how to deal with this so we and the government in trinidad and the institutions in trinidad and we have persons that volunteer mm -hmm. to do these things for free right. so we need to get these men these mentors i would call them mentor men that coming out there to talk to these communities and these young men. But we need to firstly find out who are the young men that are mm. marginalized? Who are the young men that don't have the parents? Right. So we need to do that. And then once we develop that programs, mm. we could execute. Then we start, yeah, mm. because I mean, it, it, may be, it may come across as difficult, but if we get all hands on deck, we have to. then uh, we, could, we, we could, have to we could fix this. Because most of the crime and everything, we could, we could solve all of these issues mm. by just creating that cushion mm. for the young men. So what's the first step? The first step is getting the, the information, right? So yeah. what what do you all as advocates yeah. plan to do? What can we look out for? You know, all, all kind of thing we just do. Eh? Dina thing, tell all us. Kind of, all kind of thing. <laughs> one of the, uh, and, and I just want to speak to maybe one of the things you do is constructing safe spaces. Constructing mm. safe, safe spaces. Safe spaces is something physical in geography, but something social. Mm. The way we relate to each other. One of the things we see boys do is they fed up of the hierarchy. They fed up of that dominance. Mm. And my job when I engage another young man is not to tell him how I live my life, you know, but to understand that he has a range of options to make. Mm -hmm. And I will help them think through what is the best one in their interest. Yeah. And I'll expose them to other opportunities. But you also need physical safe spaces where boys not always in competition with each other, but mm. in collaboration. Yeah. Where boys don't need to be dominant, but they could have solidarity with each other to understand. And not every boy is a sufferer, you know, but all suffering real. Mm -hmm. Some boys battling with the body image and the weight. Yeah. Some boys battling with racism for skin color among the Afro and Hindu community in this mm. country. Some boys thinking about their homework and underperforming in schools where the boys are very accelerated or perform at a very high academic level mm -hmm. and feel that they're left behind or they're tired or they we call them a class clown but yeah. they just didn't have a vehicle to communicate things so we create community spaces we work with 
National Family Services in the Ministry of Social Development and Family Services. Right. Mediation has co-parenting, that is in the Ministry of Sport and Community Development. NGOs like Parenting, TT, and mm-hmm. a lot of community councils and actors are invested in children. Boys have safe spaces and we're here to support right. it. And are these easily accessible? Easily or what accessible. can someone do? Go on, on social media? Yes, how, you can. How can we? What, so what to look out for? There are public sector agencies that do it. There are civil society actors. Baker, Richie, Message, Richie Bansara, John Milka, Sonata, mm-hmm. anytime. And we could point it to the direction of what you may need and what is much closer to you. Mm, nice. Mm-hmm. Dawn, coming back to you, I know you had your contribution to make with regards to promoting uh, gender equality when it starts at the home. So what advice do you have for the parents who are listening right now who could probably hold on to that advice and hold, it to, hold on to it strong? What do you have to say to them? Um, definitely some of the things that our other pe- um, speakers has spoken about. And the first one is to listen to the children. And when we say listen is stop and really, really give them that opportunity to speak. Mm-hmm. Now, boys, if they don't feel safe, you're not going to get anything out of them. And so that's that's the one thing. Pay attention to the things that they are drawn to. Um, you know, I think it's getting a little better where parents are supporting giftings but you know it has been um a struggle when a child said well i want to be in the arts mm-hmm. or i yeah. want to be in the beauty industry you hear that's not a career you need to become lawyer doctor or whatever mm-hmm. um i have had children in my private practice who have been diagnosed by the hospital as having schizophrenia mm-hmm. when i do background history is oh daddy wants me to become x i don't want to be that so now because of the levels of stress this poor child is now hearing voices and doing all these things now you have um, a mental health disease right and so we really really have to be listening to our children and just to understand that our boys remember the role of a man lead provide and protect it starts in the home teaching them how to do these things because yes they do struggle with body image also and mm-hmm. um you know one of our colleagues spoke about the the abuse among among boys mm-hmm. even abuse among men we don't have the statistics because it's not reported mm-hmm. you know one man told me that he went to the police station to to you know um, talk about the girl the woman hitting him and he was laughed After. at yeah. man yeah. you let a woman you let a woman hit you so guess what happened men just don't talk and so we have to become more intentional about our male boys and the men in our lives Mm. um create safe space for them what can what can i as an individual as a woman what can i do for the men that are in my life how can i listen to them how can i let them know that i am safe just like he mentioned earlier safe space is not a physical space is done somebody safe that is not going to judge me Mm. if i open up to her mm-hmm. um let's talk about the schools right our teachers are our teachers understanding how to teach boys differently from how to teach girls because they learn differently yeah. are we paying attention to that the guidance counselors are we trained enough to recognize when something psychological is happening to our to our boys mm-hmm. because the girls will pay more attention but the boys we just quickly ignore them yeah and so those are the things that i would say let us ensure that we are listening to our boys oh that 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 is the nail on the head you know if that's how they say it but another question and maybe one of you all could answer me how can we get men 
to actually speak out and, 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 you know, express themselves. How can we do that? Because we're seeing how things going now. How can we do that? You all have any suggestions, ideas? Uh, I would just say it, it, is a, it is a cultural shift and it will take time to execute something like that. But I believe it is possible because I do it. I mm. do it with my peers. Amilka, I'm sure, does it with his peers. We, as young men, considered youth still. Huh? <laughs> we still consider <laughs> youth, youth policy. Under 25 years. So, we need to create that, that dynamic. And we need to show people that it is beneficial to have that network of men that discuss things with each other. So, I believe... I, that, that's just my but my how, how do they start is it that alright we understand the culture that we are in yeah, start, but how do the... they start is, is really so is it that is a, is a, a dawn I don't know if you can in, interject here but is it like a mind thing is it that you have to tell yourself as a man hey I need to come out from this yeah. is it is it like that dawn is, yes. can they do something yes. like that yes absolutely so we have the we have the conscious mind and we have the subconscious mind. Mm. The subconscious mind, its role, its only role is to put form to what the conscious mind constantly feeds it. So mm. if boys are raised that if I if I open up, I'm going to look weak, they're never going to talk until we shift the mindset. And so I think we have to now become intentional to be a part of our own rescue. Mm. So there are many mentorship groups that are out there there are communities of of men that are out there one of the one of the recurring problem i see when i have men in middle age is that their finances their finances are not where it it should be and so they're going through depression and then they end up to come to speak with me mm-hmm. now how how i speak to these men i say to myself my god now can you imagine if at 10 years old, 12 years old, somebody was telling them from that time that, yo, as a man, you're going to need to leave. You're going to need to provide and start talking to them from then what that looks like. What are the what are the steps that you need to take? It's simply by starting them on books, you know, rich dad, poor dad, changing their mindset mm. about the things that they need to become the men that they need in society. And so right now, you know, men i would encourage them to become more intentional in their own rescue there really really are safe spaces out there just find one give yourself that opportunity i think you owe it to yourself yes. and you know one thing i tell persons is um, they'll say oh you know i don't want to hear my business back out there guess what if you open up to somebody and you hear your business back out there it's on them it's not on you but you would have taken the step, step to be able to find the help and the support that you need and that's what we need more of to shift the mindset that there really really are safe space out there and it is okay to express how you are feeling mm. express the things that you're going through because help is on the way you can't get help if somebody doesn't know you're hurting yeah yes all right, Don. Thanks so much. Now I, I know we have about two minutes, so probably about a half second, a half minute again to go. You know how it does go when every time we talk in some good things, what happens, right, with the time. But um, Amilka or even Richie or even you yourself, Don, um, can you give us like some information as to how men can reach out or who they can reach out to or where to go? I would just be Christian and see there are social benefits in being gender equal. That we need to create a society where men reach out to other men and not being harmful, not being aggressive, having peace in your life is the manly thing. 
Mm. It is a human thing. So that is what That's I want to encourage good. people. Like the barbershop? Because, you know, when all you go in the barbershop, we'll just go on. <laughs> yeah, we could run remote, but we could also empower each other and not run in, you know? I agree with All right, all right. Arichi, what, what? I agree with the statement. We start at the easiest level, which is you talk to your own so, brethren, your right. friends within your own circle. But if one wants to speak to either of you, can they? Can they call you? Of course, Right, yes. so give us your number. <laughs> How are you? Yeah, this, you'll find me on E-M-I-L-C-A-R-S-A-D-A-T-A-N. You can right. search me on Instagram. You can right. message yeah. me on Facebook. And you can search Richie Bansraj. And you'll find me. And just message me. Shoot me a message. Nice. Richie right. Bansraj. R-I-C-H-I-E-B-A-A-N-S-R-A-G. All right. Nice. Well, that's that. I write it down here. So, yeah. no worries. I'll say it again. So, um, Dawn, is there anything else you'd like to say before we wrap up this awesome interview that we had? Yes, just want to say, um, you know, I am excited to. Hi, Dawn, are you there? Hi, Dawn, are you there? All right, well, Dawn? Yeah. Okay, well, I haven't heard anything that you just said. All right, so, well, we'll get that going. So, anything else you'd like to add before we, we wrap up this interview? Love always, man. And we need to put love and peace into the communities. And gender equality is everyone's business. It's for everyone everywhere. And we hope men could be more invested in it. And Richie and I, we want to be an intervention. We want to show the men that this is our life. We are professionals. We are healthy. And we continue to do the work to support and empower men and support the rights of women and girls. Nice. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, Richie. Thank you, Amilka. Yeah, and no thank you to Dawn for just joining us this afternoon on this, this talk. I mean, we should probably have you guys back again. Yeah. So that we can continue having the discussions mm -hmm. and see how we can make things better for everybody, man. Time All right. Mm -hmm. All right. But thank you so much. The best insight, instant feedback, accountability. The all new Talk Radio Freedom 106.5.